my friend, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's this an is, honor to be here. This is like uh, Frost Nixon, right? It, a lot of people don't know that, but I'm named after Nixon. You, you know? are, and that's that, we'll, we'll talk about that later in the show. But let me let me tee, tee this up for you. Yes, uh, my guest today is a very special friend, restaurant entrepreneur, the first guy to tell me what a ghost kitchen was, first guy that I knew when the food truck craze hit and told me what a tweet was and was tweeting away and we would show up <laughs> at the corner of whatever right. and there'd be a line out the door. A guy who is an amazing matchmaker, wedding dancer, my guest today, Sir Richard Levy. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, Daniel. I I appreciate that. It's an, it's an honor to be here at the HCC. Yeah, I, you, you yeah. like what I've done with the place? It is, uh, it, I'm it's, going after the Merv Griffin look. I've heard stories about, you know, Intel, HQ, uh, and now to be here, it's kind of like when, you know, you remember the scene in Rudy when he arrives at South Bend and he walks into the stadium? It's I a great scene. kind of feel a little bit like that, you know. Um, it's humbling, really. Well, you're, you, you look great. It's been a while. Thank you. You're tan and rested. I haven't seen you since what? Coachella? Davos? I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Davos, yes. Well, welcome. Happy to have you here. Thank you. So, a little bit about you, uh, and even before I knew you, I would uh, go to your restaurants. Um, you have been in the restaurant space, what, 25 years? I've been in food off and on pretty much since I graduated college, so yes. And it's interesting to me because uh, you don't really have any formal culinary training or even worked in a ton of restaurants growing up, correct? None whatsoever. I mean, I delivered pizza in high school. Yeah. and, and That's about it. When you were a, a, a varsity athlete at that point, right? Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Between seasons. Between seasons. So for a guy that uh, majored in music, rock and roll history in college, how did you get into the restaurant space? Well, I minored in uh, contemporary rock music uh, at Indiana. But how do I got into the space is I graduated from uh, college and, you know, I, I deliberately had a C average in the entrepreneurship program, which is what I was told uh, would get me not hired by anybody. Mm. So since no one else would hire me, I started my own business. Your um, first business, uh, walk me through it. it. It was kind of an interesting play on a food pie or? Yeah, like so, you know, I'm South African, as you know. I, I, I was wondering, because I heard the uh, the accent. I was wondering if it was like a New Jersey <laughs> accent or? Elon Musk and I have a very similar accent. We're very half and half. Yeah. So we, if, you, if you move from South Africa in your teens, you tend to speak with this weird bastardized accent that we both have. Anyway, so uh, I went back to South Africa and I worked for a big food company. They used to make meat pies for uh, a fast casual concept as well as, you know, every supermarket and what have you. And I took one look at this. I was right out of business school and I said, this is what I want to do with my life. You know, and I want to, so I wrote a business plan, which was pretty much the only thing I learned to do in college besides drink beer. And... Um, I brought it to my boss and I said, "Can we let's open one of these in America?" And they, I think they wanted to get rid of me at the time, mm -hmm. so they uh, sent me back to do that. Uh, so you're, a lot what, of fun. you're you're 22, 23 years old. 23, yes. Never run a business before. Clueless. And and walk me through that. I mean, that that must have been scary, exciting. It was the nineties. It was you know the Clinton administration. It was the go go dot com era. So there was you know everyone was just trying to do anything, and and somehow we got funding to do it. And, Got it off the ground, but completely, if you've ever seen Spinal Tap, uh, you know, it was a comedy of errors. So I was clueless. 
Uh, everything we did was, you know, compromised on terms of quality and name branding <laughs> and overspending on ridiculous things. But it wasn't necessarily my money. It was just my time. And so I did what my bosses said to do and what the consultant said to do. But I, I learned a, a lot in that time period. And one of the people I met during that time became my mentor and my partner in my next business. Uh, the next business was salads. Correct. correct. Which correct. I used to go to great restaurant. I, I, I joke with you all the time. You were a little bit ahead of your time because it was the sweet greens before the sweet greens. But uh, a lot of people don't know this in the mid 2000s about this fight. You were a big deal in downtown Chicago in the loop. Everyone would go to this uh, salad spinner's place. And I always thought, you know, this, this show's about the customer, right? And the customization and the combinations of different salads you could order there were mind blowing. If, if you were in not big salad, but in mid-sized salad yeah. in the loop, in the early 2000s, odds are I was your guy, one out of 15 days a, a, a month. So, uh, you know, we we, <laughs> we competed with the likes of Panera Bread and Corner Bakery. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a, a very interesting business, one that I didn't feel like I had any business being in. Yeah. But because I had a good mentor, that was the key thing. As a young entrepreneur, to find someone that – could tell me to shut my mouth and open my ears, mm. who I would listen to, that was a very good day for me. And that was when things I started to learn and listen and take notes and understand that, yeah, if we do this right, there's a nice pile of cash at the end of the day. Right. Um, and so that was my foray into the restaurant space. Um, the, the restaurant space, you've worn a ton of different hats. Um, I, I joked in the opening that you're the first guy – I. I may have heard of Twitter at this point, but you said to me one day, you go, jump in my food truck, which is right when food trucks started to, wait, okay, you know, it's not a roach truck. It's like these gourmet. It was a whatever. sausage truck. It, yours was hot sausage. Yes. But I remember that you sent out a, a, a tweet, mm -hmm. and at the time, we're in Chicago, and Groupon had just become sort of Groupon, right? Right. And you go, meet me on the corner of X and X, whatever. Kingsbury in Chicago. Kingsbury in Chicago. And, man, it blew my mind. There was already a line exactly where you were going to park. Amazing. That's when I first started seeing, okay, food and technology sort of getting married yes. and uh, and doing something. Walk right. me through just sort of those early days, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, food and food tech today. Yeah, no, they were the, they were the salad days of uh, food and food technology and social media. You know, if you had, uh, uh, if you were any, you know, back in the day, if you were a celebrity chef, you had to get onto a magazine or get on local TV or national TV, and guys would do anything to do that. But then at some point around about the launch of the iPhone and coming together of social media, there became an opportunity for anyone to do anything, and it's particularly in food. You could create something, take a picture of it, share it, and then other people would share it, and you'd get buzz, organic buzz. And... Food trucks kind of happened around that time period. Uh, you know, they started out west, as most trends do in our industry, and they migrate east. Um, and Chicago got hit with a wave. I think I was one of the third or fourth sort of gourmet food trucks in, in the city. Uh, the city didn't even know how to license us, but we figured it out. Um, and uh, it was a ton of fun. It was probably the most fun I've ever had in food entrepreneurship. I remember you told me once you got paid by Bitcoin, right? Yes, yes. 
that was one of the things. So obviously, you know, you get all these tech kind of geeky, nerdy guys that come up to you and be like, hey, you should take Bitcoin. So I'm like, what's Bitcoin? So I go and I, I started, I got a wallet, started accepting payments in Bitcoin. And I remember like, you know, training my guys on how to do it. Like you have to scan this thing. Nobody liked it. Anyway, when I ended up selling my food truck, I had like 2.5 Bitcoin that I was lucky to get a few hundred bucks for at an ATM <laughs> machine. I was like, thank God I was able to liquidate them. So, yes, one of my many uh, blunders along the way. Yes, that, I've made, that, I've, the list is long and distinguished. That's okay, yes. man. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Curious, uh, we, we talk about, you know, the West Coast and, and then Chicago. I don't know if you've seen that show, Bear. Yes. How real is that show? In terms of kitchen culture, I think it's very real. I think it's they, they really do get that right. In terms of Chicago, River North, uh, you know, meat, uh, uh, you know, Italian beef culture, no. Not at all. They got it all wrong. They got it completely wrong. What is, what is a Chicago Italian beef culture? Like? I wouldn't even know, but it's not that. <laughs> it's not that at all. They're certainly not doing anything gourmet in Chicago. Uh, you know, an Italian, you know, and it's filmed at Mr. Beef on Orleans, which is around the corner we, from our old place. Yeah, we used to live right by there. Spent a lot of good years there, Dan. Many, you many good years. Many good years. Um, Walk me through, listen, man, there, there, we we service the fast casual market in our call center. Yes, and, and QSR. QSR, right? And so for the most part, among the many things we do, we sort of centralize those calls. You right. figure when people are calling for catering orders or whatnot, they're calling at the craziest time of the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And so somebody, instead of sitting in the back and writing the order on a, on a napkin, we're centralizing it using a tech and, uh, and really improving sort of the outcomes in that those, those purchases, we can add on additional revenue. And, and it's been a, a successful portfolio for us. You're out there every day. Where are you seeing food tech and even AI? Because we're seeing it in our business uh, in, in, in the fast casual space. Where are you seeing that going? And what do you think it looks like in the next couple of years? Well, I'll start with a little uh, personal anecdote. Um, back in, I think, 2002, uh, I was approached by two guys that started a business that was going to sell takeout orders on the Internet. Mm. They came and they, you know, they were door-to-door -door salesmen. They knocked on my door and they said, we'd like to sign up one of your restaurants. People are going to go on the web, the World Wide Web, place an order, and then come downstairs and pick it up. And I said, good luck to you guys. Like, this is, okay, it sounds crazy. I'll sign up for anything. Yeah. Okay, they're like, we want to take 20% of your, or 10% of your orders yeah. at the time. I said, great, let's see what happens. And that little company was Grubhub. And those two founders uh, are sold the company for a lot of money. I think they're public now. Yeah. But they used to write me handwritten checks. And I, we were one of the first restaurant clients in Chicago. So uh, from that, uh, we evolved into taking our own, we built our own website, people would order online. So obviously it's had this sort of hockey stick trajectory in the industry of now, you know, anybody that actually calls and places an order on the phone yeah. must be a psychopath. So, uh, <laughs> so you, you know, you, um, you do it all digitally. And in terms of, to answer your question, where it's going, um, you know, I'm in the wedding catering space right now. Right. So we do large events, primarily weddings. We also do big corporate stuff. And the, the opportunities for tech are limitless, essentially, because you could create a VR. You could take your room. Mm -hmm. You could create your wedding through VR. Right. 
And you could say, I want this linen, this eau d'oeuvre at the cocktail hour. Mm -hmm. Simulate the cocktail hour. Yeah. Okay. Simulate it with 200 people in this room and with 300 people in this room. Show me the the room set up for service. Uh, show me dessert being served while people are dancing. It's, it's, it's all going to evolve. And you can do that. You'll probably be able to do that on our website. And we'll be able to give you a not only a quote through our CRM, but we'll be able to give you a little simulated video of how your wedding will look start to finish with your menu that you selected. That's crazy. As well as all the flatware, plateware, and linen that you selected along with a price attached to each. And if you want to change one thing, yeah. you go ahead and change it and you can see the, the virtue. You can go into your environment again. So I think that's going to be how, where the industry moves in terms of the space I'm in right now. Um, in terms of fast casual restaurants, again, it's, it's one of the biggest pain points was getting a phone call for a big order when right. we were busy because you, you had to deal with you had to take somebody off of taking orders, yeah. and they had to go and do it. It would usually be a manager. And if there was a problem, and, and a decent-sized order is going to take at least five to ten minutes to, to process. So if you can get the client to do the bulk of that work, ship it to you in a format your, your kitchen's able to process and kick out, yeah. you've solved a big pain point. And that's what the guys are doing now. Um, that's what Grubhub's doing now, and, and, and that's what a lot of the – the third-party um, apps are doing. However, the industry, as you know, hates those apps, right? Because they've become very predatory. For lack predatory of a in what word. sense? They take such a big cut. Take a hundred-dollar order, okay? Right. So your food cost and your labor cost in a hundred-dollar order, if you're doing things right, yeah. might be somewhere between fifty to sixty percent. Mm -hmm. So fifty, so call it sixty bucks is burned on yeah. on food and labor. Um, thirty percent or twenty-five percent is going to the app, so that's twenty-five dollars, and then you've got your rent and your overhead. Yeah. So essentially, a hundred. What was a nice hundred-dollar order in the old days, the bulk of the profit is going to the third-party app. Right. Now they're 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 allowing upcharges and. You but know. are they driving the kind of traffic? So skinny margins, but are they driving an enormous amount of? I would, for you? I would guess, my gut tells me the majority of the consumers will pay for the convenience. Right. So they'll, they'll, that's why they're doing app. Right. Bam, They bam, don't bam. like, especially a new generation doesn't want to pick up a phone and ask and speak to a human. Right. So they want to, they want to uh, do it digitally. They want to do it on a phone and they'll, and they'll do what it takes to make that happen. That's crazy. Curious, because yeah. we play in sort of, when it comes to labor, a similar space, right? Where our CSRs... Right your folks working in the restaurants and, and, and in the kitchens, how are you seeing the labor market? So you and I both had the same thing, right? Inflation hit, boom, wages right. went through the roof. I mean, it was almost impossible to keep up. How are you seeing today, 2023, the labor market for your industry? Everything costs double what it used to. Really? Including food? Yeah. We used to pay somebody, you know, you know, $9, $10 an hour. The minimum we're going to even start someone at these days is 18 wow. in a city like Chicago. Yeah. Even though you know, they're, so they're fighting for fifteen dollar minimum wage, but there's a there's a Chicago premium. Yeah, you're not going to get anybody for anything minimum wage. Minimum wage nationwide two, is already fifteen. Right. Like, it, it might not technically be right, but um, you know, you're not getting anybody fourteen fifteen is 
probably the, start, the starting baseline. Right. So, so when that all that just translates into, you know, people call us up. They want to spend a hundred dollars per person for a wedding. Those days are over. You're closer to one sixty to one seventy now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we we turn down what would what would be nice. You know, we right. we'll turn down a fifteen grand wedding because we can't do it um, because we know we'll book the same night. Uh, we'll get it, you know, we'll get our full boat. So that's, you know, unless we got a, an off-peak night like in winter, yeah. uh, a Sunday night in January, yeah, well, maybe we'll take it. But it, but for the m- most part, uh, the whole industry, pretty much know everything's doubled. You've been out to dinner lately? Yeah. it's, it's Everything's double what yeah. it used to be, you know? Well, how are you seeing the consumer behavior? So that guy who used to order or, uh, you know, won a $100 wedding, $150 wedding, right. and now it's 300 what habits are you seeing that they're changing? Smaller weddings, smaller venues. Like, what does that look like? They're trying to cut corners all over. Look, those that want to spend money, and regardless, right. where budget's no option, budget's no option. Right. But everybody, but that's maybe 10% of the market. 90% of the market want to get creative. So they'll do BYOB for the booze, and the, right. the venues are allowing them to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it hurts our bottom line as a caterer because we got – you know, we spend a lot of time and effort getting our liquor license, right. and we're losing about half of them to clients that want to go through the effort of making of ordering their own booze and then packing it up at night and bringing it home. Right. That'll save them a few grand. That's one thing they do. They'll also uh, get creative with the rental. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll instead of gold plated everything, they'll go with silver. You know that, yeah. and ultimately, uh, that's what'll save them. And they'll and then they'll pick up a venue where they don't need linen. With a nice table that just uses a table runner, so there's a lot of ways though uh, that clients can get creative too, and we assist them as best we can because obviously that's we're in the, that business of making of happy customers. Happy customers. I'm told that's go. a thing. This episode is brought to you by Buena Vista Creative, Miami's premier digital marketing agency. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com for more info on how Buena Vista can help your business increase revenue and create the brand and digital presence it deserves video and podcast production, web and app development, search engine and social media marketing, logo creation, outdoor, print, swag, and more. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com to learn more. What what advice would you give to somebody starting a restaurant right now? Don't. (laughs) It's a tough business. There's no easy business. There are no easy businesses, but retail is really in a weird place at the moment. And so if you are going to do it, I would say first thing you want to do is spend at least three months working anywhere mm. in the toughest job. Start as a dishwasher. Start as a server. Um, understand what it means to serve someone because you're always going to – if you're in that industry, you're always going to be in the service yeah. industry. You're in the hospitality space. Know every – work for free. Go to a – knock on the door of a subway and say, I'd like to make be a sandwich artist for a week for free. Let me just – understand what's involved in the process. That's That would be the first step I would do. If you still want to do it, after a month or two of, of working in the industry for for very little pay, I would say your next step would be to, uh, you know, write a solid business plan. But if you've got no experience in the restaurant space, one of the big regrets I didn't do right. was do that. I should have, you know, Gone to work at Starbucks, yeah, for three months. Get great training, yeah. And get into it. Understand the culture. And I only did it after my first restaurant failed, and I went to work for Levy Restaurants, no relation, but I learned a ton working at Mrs. Levy's Deli in the Sears Tower. Really? Yeah, a ton. 
uh, very crucial uh, lesson in my so, life. So yeah, two or three pointers, if you had to do it over again on sort of those early businesses, those early restaurants that you owned. Don't rush into it, okay? Like you have to do your homework, take your time, make sure your product's good, make sure your team's good. Yeah. Never open prematurely. One needs to be absolutely ready. Um, the product needs to be fully baked. Uh, there's a ton of things that I would have done differently. I mean, I'm not sure we have enough time on this podcast. Well, we, we might break the internet. We, we, we will break the internet at some point on the yeah. show. But, um, yeah, you talked a little bit about it. I mean, look, the, the, the delivery services aren't going anywhere, right? right. And, and then you start to wonder... I wonder about it with the commercial real estate market just in general, right. but even like the food real estate market, right? It was like, if more people are just going to be dining at home and I want quick service and stuff like that, like you start thinking ghost kitchens, do you start thinking smaller footprint? Like from the real estate standpoint of restaurants, right. wh where do you think these, I mean, obviously restaurants are a big, you know, it's all kinds of restaurants, but like, where do you think their headspace is at? So I think you'll always have people that want to go out for, for dinner. For example, we're going out tonight. Right. That'll always happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, in terms of like, you know, good food, fast delivered to my home, mm -hmm. it's a different animal. Right. And you can set up, um, I think the ghost kitchen model is here to stay. Mm -hmm. I think brands will be created that don't exist in the real world. I think there already are. And, um, and people will, you know, want something that's going to get to them within less than 30 minutes. Right. And because of the gig economy, all of that's doable. Um, but that's for the, that's for meal for one to three, right. one to four people. Yeah. Okay. Call it, you know, one to four people. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? What was yeah. Question? I mean, so, so it's funny because we, we you, like, You're like a young AJ Goyle. There, there, there you go. Uh, there's uh, this whole industry, like, you, you know, you, you read about, Grubhub's, Uber Eats, all stuff, and you know who's making money. And I'm like, wait a minute, the Chinese restaurants, right. Domino's Pizza figured this out, you know, 50 years ago. Like, right. But these guys can't seem to figure it out. I don't even know if some of these companies are profitable at this point, right? Or getting close to it. Well, okay, you said a lot there. So yeah. Domino's Pizza has uh, they have their own drivers. Was a simple product, right? Their own driving pool. And they had a finite radius. Right. Jimmy John's does this very well. Still, right. they also do it very okay? well. Okay, right. Jimmy John's is is took the Domino's model and, and executes right. it very well. Right, and they do it all internally. Right, they control every step of the process, as far as I know. Um, but are, are companies profitable doing it? They are if they can figure out how to get their clients to convert from a third party app to their own platform. Right. And many of them do. And it's an ongoing battle between the third-party apps and the uh, individual unit operators. If you had to predict what happens, something breaks. Food costs going up, labor going up. Like, there's only so much margin in this business to spread around. I don't think it'll break. I think there'll always be, um, you know, great American concepts, and people are always going to get creative mm. and come up with new things. As long as there's an America... People will come up with new ideas, and I hope so. I hope that never changes. So I don't think that'll ever break. Right. Um, so I'm optimistic as far as that's concerned. Right. What it'll look like in terms of the curb appeal and the trade dress that the that the client will see, mm -hmm. that the customer will see, 
whether it's brick or mortar or, or, or you know, mobile, uh, remains to be... Yeah, so this is... Probably, some blend of the two right. remains to be... And this is where maybe decided. a ghost kitchen can play a role, right? Yes, that, that same kitchen correct. is doing pizza, doing Chinese, doing Italian, correct. and then they just got the drivers. I mean, I just even see where I live is... It's not even cars deliver. It's there's just a community, and they hang out right. in an area that I live of scooters, and they just bam, 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 bam. It's all day. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Here's what I think will happen. Okay, so in ten, in, in terms of like you know, ten years ago, the industry was, is was and is still peppered with every franchise that you can think of. Yeah. From every day part to every ethnic type of cuisine, there's a franchise. Yeah. From burgers to, to Asian food, what have, what have you, you'll start to see some mega franchises, mm -hmm. which will be in a warehouse adjacent to a residential uh, area or a or a business district. Yeah, it might be a basement that's very cheap rent, but it's just big. Instead of a food court that you can go into and sit down, it's just the kitchen part. Yeah. And it's a and it's a franchise. That concept as a franchise, I could see working and translating to multiple markets. Yeah, and just being sort of an urban kitchen right. zone of, and then just nonstop driving and and, and really becoming almost like a logistics company. Just bam, 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 bam. bam. So in, instead of a McDonald's franchisee having you know twenty units in a certain market, right. uh, you might have a, a one of these ghost kitchen franchisees having X number of facilities in a market. Yeah, because it has to happen. Right. You walk around downtowns of New York, Chicago, and, and parts of even down here in Miami, and, and it's, a, it's a desert come lunchtime right. because that business community is working from home most of the time or two, three days a week. And so you look at the restaurants, the restaurants like, it's just not worth it for me to open. Uh, I've seen it in Chicago when I was just there. Right. Man, there used to be a great business breakfast crowd, right? You go right. the little coffee shop, you have a breakfast meeting. Right. It's just not existent anymore. And these guys are going to let their leases go, the real estate go, and all that kind of stuff. So it's damn good water. Uh, <laughs> you like that? Put a little whiskey in there for you next time. It's Florida. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what that does to the restaurant industry. But what you said makes a heck of a lot of sense. It might. I don't know. If I had all the uh, answers, I'd, I'd be, uh, wouldn't be on this podcast. That's for no, sure. No, you folks. wouldn't. You wouldn't be on like Rogan or something. You'd be, a <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, the food isn't the only thing at a restaurant. There's a heck of a lot more, and including service. Walk me through what do you think is important? Because you've had fast casual, you've had nice dining, you've had uh, food trucks. Like, what else is important that you think uh, somebody opening up a restaurant needs to know? Um, people buy with their eyes. Mm -hmm. My good friend David Grossman told me that, and he's probably one of the most brilliant statements I ever heard. Um, he's a great operator as well. Try and get him on the show. Um, but... Uh, People purchase no matter what, whether it's food or retail, they buy with their eyes. They look, a brand has to have curb appeal. If you're walking down the street or in a mall or wherever you are and you see something that catches your eye and it looks good, that is the number one prerequisite to get the customer through the door. If more businesses knew that uh, and understood that, mm -hmm. including myself, They'd be far more successful. You told me a line creates a line. A line creates a line. Yeah, Which right. Is so true. That worked, is true. I, I, I worked the food truck with you at a festival once. Right. And I, I think you were like, "We're doing the orders too quickly." Right. Like, Slow it down. Slow it down. 
And you're right. The line created a line. You created a little bit sort of this demand that people are like, what, what's the buzz over there? Right. And then the line created the line. and. But it's also got to look good. You know, if yeah. it looks like garbage and there's a line, it better, the food's going to be out. You know, and there are places like that. Right. And there's definitely holes in the walls that have people Great out food. the door and they're doing something right, but they've built that reputation mm -hmm. on their talent alone. If you're getting people in the door day one, you better have clean windows. You better have a clean bathroom. Everybody in uniform. Nobody without a hat. Um, you know, good packaging. Good, a great product. Everything has to be tight. Yeah. And that's what the, the American consumer has come to expect. And they'll be forgiving if it's a friend and family, but they won't be forgiving if it's uh, if it's someone else. You know. If, Tell me, hard -earned money. tell me what you're doing today. So you got a whole new business. Yeah. Walk me through Butter and Vine. Tell me about it. Butter and Vine is the um, the business. Uh, it's a catering and events business. Uh, it was started three months before the greatest pandemic in the world mm -hmm. hit. And um, Your timing was perfect. Yeah, perfect timing. T if timing was, for you is always, you, yes. you were a little bit ahead of the, the salad thing. You were also, right. I forgot, uh, yogurt. Yes. Right? So a little bit ahead of the yogurt. Um, timing's everything. I, I always like the Bloomingdale Executive Program for you. We talked about this, but <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not, not too late. late. Your folks. parents would be so proud, but you're always a little ahead of the curve. So, pandemic hits. You start this business. I accidentally started this business. Same with actually my salad business. Like I didn't mean to start this. I was like, I have no business. I have no. Wouldn't have ever catered a wedding in my life. It's, yeah. it's a different animal. You could take the best kitchen team from one of the, from a Michelin star restaurant. And take them and say you've got to cater a wedding next week out in a food hall, mm -hmm. in a, in a, you know, 20 minutes away from your kitchen, and they would probably mess it up unless you had someone there that understood it. It is a different animal. It, it operates with the people that know that business know it well. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's hard to get into because the venues don't trust that you're going to not mess it up. So they, they only work with people they know are going to do right by their clients. And if you if you have if you're lucky enough to have those kind of people, which I'm lucky enough to have on my team, um, you can get it right. And there's only so many like we're in Chicago. There's only so many caterers that can do what we do. Mm -hmm. There's no limit to the amount of couples getting married, and there's only 52 weekends a year. Right. So there's you know there's about 150 nights that you might be able to have a wedding. Um, most of them are the. People want the summer months from right. May till November, and um, you know we we can do it. We do it very well. And it's a great business. How do you keep consistency? So I'm big into checklists, right? right. It's almost like an assembly line mm -hmm. when you're when you're you know you got to make dinner for 200 guests. W what does that look like? It's a remarkable ballet. You should come by and see it sometime. I will. I feel like. Um, but you know we we like to say if we got a if we got a wedding of 200 people, we like to get everybody served within 20 minutes, mm -hmm. which is and we time it. And in order for that to happen, you need like, you need to basically turn on the engine and, and the you know, the, you're making a chicken, a beef, and a vegetarian dish. And they have to both, all three lines have to operate smoothly. The service have to come in and take it. And while this team's serving that table, mm -hmm. that team's coming back from this table. They're picking up food. And then it's a, it's a, it's like a zone defense dance, you yeah. know, to make the Miami Heat proud. I, I envision it like uh, in Goodfellas when Henry... It uh, go, uh, goes through the back to the Copacabana. Is that how? Is that how you're going to pull me into watch this world? Every time you two. Every time you two. Every time. Something like that. Yeah. 
That's I'm usually the, the guy that walks in and says every time, every time you, you do. do. Yeah, that's, that's it. my role. In that's the company. that's your role. You put on the chef jacket, the hat, but then that's it. Yeah, every time. Every time. You too. All right, Hendry. Yeah, I can't let you go without having some rapid fire questions. You ready? Bring it on. Okay, you're you're a fan of the show Successions. Yes. <laughs> Which Roy kid do you identify with the it's... most? Let me give you the names just in case you forgot. Roman, <laughs> Kendall, Connor, or perhaps Shiv. I just did you see last night's episode? I did not, so don't spoil My it for me. God, it's probably the best scene that ever has been recorded in television. At the end of that, I don't want the spoiler. Probably alert. one of the best scenes between any two characters ever on television last night. It's mic dropper and good. The character I love most, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of all of them in each one of us. I'm probably more of a Logan Roy type. <laughs> Kindler, gentler, younger, Jewish Logan Roy. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. I see that. You know, I see that. Can I be him? Yeah, why not? Perhaps. I make the rules. Who takes over? By the way, who, who, just who takes over uh, your predictions? Waystar. Who takes oh, over? I think at the end of this, I think uh, I think it's definitely Kent. Well, Kendall. After last night, Kendall. Okay. Yes. Well, thanks for spoiling it for me, yeah. but that, that's okay. Um, why aren't there more South African restaurants? It's a great question. Uh, it, there's not really a. There's not an appetite for it. Or the consumer doesn't know about not, it. No, I'll tell you what. There's not really a traditionally South African cuisine. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's such right. a it's melting pot. Or, right. It's Pizza. such a melting pot of what we eat there. Yeah. That to put it all into one concept, Nando's probably does the best job of it, but mm -hmm. Nando's is Portuguese. Right. So Portuguese South African is not, you know, Afrikaans South African. Yeah. It's not it's not Zulu South African. So there's so many different types of cuisines within the culture. Um, if you were start what is the the worst restaurant to start, meaning <laughs> fine dining, hot hot dog stand, uh, Italian, Chinese. If, if you were going to say one, dude, don't sign up to open X restaurant, what is it? If you held a gun to my head and said, you have to do this, the hardest, oh, not the worst, the hardest thing to do mm -hmm. would be something like delicatessen because it's tough. It's got so many different facets to it uh, to get it right. You know, like the easiest thing would be a hot dog stand, okay? Right. You can't really fuck it up too right. badly. Right. Delicatessen, your matzo balls better be at a certain level of consistency. Yeah. And the soup better be at a, your kreplach needs to have a, a certain amount of, <laughs> you know, oomph to it. Yeah. Uh, and don't get me started on the chopped liver. You know? And the corned beef's got to be fresh. Never mind the corned beef. I mean, that's... Is it, when was it sliced? Was it sliced today? This looks like it was sliced yesterday yeah. with the bagels that you've been serving at me. Take them back. <laughs> and the team has got to be primo. It's, it's, it's putting on a performance every single day, and that's why the guys that can do delicatessen well are truly the Navy SEALs of our industry. And they build such a big moat, nobody wants to get into that business. It's, Correct. It's, it's a tough business. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's, it's institutional. It's institutional. Yes. Best pizza place in Chicago. You know, I after a long day, I am a... Uh, I'm a Giordano's guy. I love a good Giordano's. Really? Okay. Yeah. Fun fact: the uh, one of the main lead investors, also name is Richard Levy, also South African. There you go. Yeah, we get mistaken for each other quite a lot. All the time. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Everyone knows that you were a uh, rock and roll history major. Yes. Give me your Mount Rushmore of American bands. Mount <laughs> <laughs> Rushmore of American bands. American the bands. Doors. The Doors. Okay. You got to go with. Uh, 
you got to go with the Beach Boys. Yeah, absolutely. For, you know, I mean, bands I like or bands other people. No, like? no, no. We, Commercial we, success. Well, I mean, it could be a little both. I mean, oh, man, American bands are tough because we, we've been through this many times. Yeah, we, we've had this discussion about a hundred times. Uh, Jane's Addiction. Wow, now that's and a, the Grateful that's, Dead. And the Grateful Dead. Jane's Addiction because that, you love Jane's that. Addiction. Just shows my range. I love it. Doors, Jane's Addiction, Grateful Dead, and the Beach Boys. There you go. Uh, On one playlist. When you came over when you were a kid. Yes. The biggest surprise to you about America. I, I envision you like that movie coming to America. You came from Cheese Africa. fries. Cheese fries. Cheese Who the fries. Who puts <laughs> cheese on fries? It blew chips. your mind. Yeah, I was amazed. I was like, this is incredible. Who thought of these, putting these two things together? It's brilliant. Unbelievable. Yeah, I loved, I was amazed by cheese fries. Where can people find out uh, about your restaurant if they want to contact you? Um, well, my restaurants are closed. So okay, I'm sorry. Butter can't, and wine. You can't But you do have that me. beautiful new facility. I saw it online. Yes, the, uh, the campus. The, ca the campus. Uh, HQ. But if you want to go to our web our website, butterandvine.com, if you're planning a, a wedding or corporate event for 100-plus people, uh, we're, we're a great fit for that. Awesome. We'll take good care of you. Thanks for coming on the show, amigo. You know, it's it's good to be here. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm honored that you would have you've me. Enjoyed, I've, you've I've, enjoyed I've enjoyed yourself. my time. One uh, more question I have yes, to ask you yes. before you go. Who cuts my hair? We, we, we know that. Dino. Yeah. Gino. Gino. Yes. Gino. Um, it was it was actually a tweet that somebody tweeted at me because they heard that you were coming on the show. Oh. And I want you to studio answer the audience. question. Yes, live studio audience, very important. Um, it's a bat signal straight from Wrigley Field. And the tweet wants to know, when will you run for office? Mm. A lot of people, Chicago needs leadership. What is your political future? I want this moment to be like when Arnold announced he was going to run for governor in California on the Jay Leno show. It could be right now, right here. I want you on the record. I'll put it to you this way. If things get as worse as I think they're going to be in the next, the next four years, and by the way, I'm rooting for this mayor. Nobody that I know in business voted for him. Mm. But my God, we're rooting for him. I hope he can come through and at least keep us alive. Yeah. And I want him to succeed. I don't feel he will. I think the city's going to hell in a handbasket. But if things get so much worse, I may just have to run. I mean, I, Whoa. I, mean, I might just have to. This is breaking news. It's, it's Look big. at the fans. The, the live studio audience is very excited about this. Both of them. Are, what, 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 what platform would you run on? And we could do a separate podcast about this on your announcement. Chicago is very in need of a, of a change and someone that can break – ranks with the uh, the democratic machine that have largely driven the city into the ground. Mm. I mean, just the graffiti on the bridges yeah. has become out of control. And that's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, You know, when that's allowed to go. It's the broken windows. Yeah, uh, it's completely, yeah, we've yeah. seen this movie before in New York City. We've seen it in Detroit. Yeah. I hope Chicago can survive the next four years. Um, you know, I'm, there's a great parody account of, uh, the may, the new mayor, mm. and it's like you know we we've got to give the riders a chance. Any any business installing <laughs> ride class in the windows, we got to give them a chance. We'll, we'll sue the city's going to sue you. Got to give the riders a chance. I just don't know who, who's going to be around. Michigan Avenue's dead. The uh, business summer. The, the summer. Yeah. I fear for what's going to happen this summer. Me too. I hear gunshots in, from where I live on the north side most of the time, and so. Uh, you know, I, I, and, I, and the, the issue isn't more cops. It's going to be 
the culture of who are you getting to be cops. Right. You know, it's one thing to, if you put bad ingredients into a pie, you're going to have a shitty pie. Right. So we need to get young kids that want to be law enforcement to show up and, and be vetted mm -hmm. and become the next generation of good police in the city. Yeah. And we need a mayor that's got teeth that can, that can get things done. And, uh, you know, Brandon, I'm, I'm rooting for you, buddy, but I'm afraid of what's going to happen. And, yeah, uh, yeah, he, he, he's got some big mountains to climb. It's not just the crime, it's the pension funds, it's going to be the tax base from not only the tax base moving out, but that commercial real estate. I mean, it's, 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 uh, I am too, I'm, I'm rooting for him, uh, but I'm not all that hopeful. Right. Uh, the other thing I forgot to touch on, you're yes. going to be in a documentary later this year, right? Yes. Tell me about it. What, what is this? Well, I'm glad you asked. It, okay. it drops in the fall. Uh, it's a German documentary, as most of my, my documentary work is, is German. Uh, it's called Papa Bleiben. And, uh, you know, I think we bought a clip. Uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> this feels like uh, Between Two Ferns. <laughs> you know, uh, but... But what is it about? What does Papa Bleiben mean? I don't even well, know. Well, it's about a young... German Jew who escapes the Nazis and, you know, goes on to perform in the circus. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. The, the documentary is a, cir uh, yes, a circus. I have a seen circus. The, uh, the trailer. It looks uh, great. Uh, we're actually going to have uh, the producer on oh, wow. later this year. Yes. So uh, I, I look forward to speaking with him. But um, anything else you want to plug? Not really. Uh, I'm sort of a pluggy guy. I didn't even bring you the shirt you wanted. I know. I, you know? I usually wear. I didn't the have desk. your size. To yeah. Be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the warehouse. You went to the warehouse. Checked three times. <laughs> XL and small. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Double X is all we got left. Well, good stuff. Yeah. Amigo, uh, great to have you on the show, man. That's Spanish for friend. That I know a lot of a people lot, don't know. A lot that. of people <laughs> are just learning about that tonight. <laughs> all right, man. Take care. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>